welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmond. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. So you know the classic um, stereotype of the cigar smoker, the fat cat with his feet propped up, basically the Monopoly guy yeah. counting his money while smoking cigars? We generally try to combat that stereotype. Oh, we're you're pr- going right into the show. I see what's going on here. <laughs> we're, pr- we're pretty common <laughs> men. We, t- we tend to combat that stereotype whenever we can. Um, and then there's tonight. Yeah. Folks, tonight, <laughs> we are definitely not Weight Watchers felines. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Cigar Cast over $20. So tonight, I'm, I'm jumping right into my cigar because i got to get this thing lit because I love this cigar. Go for it. You always ask our guests the question, your desert island smoke, what cigar, if money was no problem, if availability was no problem, what would you have airdrop down next to you in the palm tree? And this is my cigar. It's the Feral Flying Pig from Drew Estate. It is such a good cigar. It's I've un- had one of them in my life. Oh, it's unbelievable. Um, I have an arrangement with... Um, various sources that when they arrive at the shop, I'm the first to know. Mm -hmm. I won't say what I had to do to get that, but maybe my firstborn child (laughs) went missing. (laughs) But the feral flying pig, here's the nuts and bolts. It's five and three inch by 60. So that makes it one of the bigger flying pigs, probably the biggest flying pig made. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because that's always my complaint with the flying pig cigars. Yeah, they're, they're four inches long. Yeah, they're just they're enough to make me want a cigar. Yeah. So the Feral Flying Pig's right up that alley. Um, it's USA Connecticut shade wrapper. It's a Brazilian binder. It's Honduran Nicaraguan filler. But the way it is blended, none of those step forward. You know, usually with a Brazilian, yeah. I can taste a little of that in there, or Nicaraguan, or... You usually can taste some of the individual elements. This is the most well-blended cigar that I ever put in my mouth. Well, and it's the Liga blend, isn't it? Or is it slightly different? It's slightly different than okay. the Liga blend. Because, Just uses that label. Right. It's under the Liga, It's under the Unico series, you know, the hard-to-get stuff. Yeah. Um, they retail for over 20 bucks. They're definitely not an inexpensive smoke, but they're just a great, great smoke. Yeah. And uh, when you want to treat yourself... Um, you know, it's Padron money, and it's better than a Padron. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're not in for the smoothness of a Padron. Right. And for me, that's, the Liga fits that bill. That gives me a little bit more strength and body than the Padron does for the same money. And that's sometimes that's what I'm in the mood for. Well, and you should just, when I light this thing, watch the volume of smoke that comes forth from this cigar. That's something I've noticed about a lot of Drew Estate is they smoke a lot. I mean, the KFC is like you've got a hickory stick in the middle of it with the amount of smoke that comes off of it. Well, and but and this smoke is that rich, blue, flowing, cumulonimbus yeah. type smoke. I mean, it's just everything about this cigar is a wonderful smoking experience. And I'm about to start it while you tell us about, let's, grant, let's, let's face it, not as strong a choice as mine. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see about that. I am going to be smoking a cigar that I've actually never had before. Um, It's from the Opus line. Now, I've talked about Opus on the show quite a bit lately just because I I had my one Opus a year uh, around Christmas this year and was given this by a friend of mine last week 
And since I haven't had the Lost City, which is what this is, I decided to save it for the show. And I've got to say, I am so excited about it. Just having that rekindled love of Opus back in my life, I'm really looking forward to giving this a shot. Uh, the Lost City Figurato uh, retails for about $31, and it's a Dominican Puro. It's an even more exclusive cigar than the regular Opus. Um, it's from a small... So Opus all comes from one part of one field. That's what makes Opus tobacco. And the Lost City comes from an either even smaller portion of that smaller portion. So it's just, it's, it's a really hard cigar to find. And then when you do, you're paying for it. But by all accounts, it's one of the best in their line. I think it was rated like 92 on Cigar Aficionado or something like that. If, you know, for whatever that's worth. But it's, it's definitely, definitely something I'm looking forward to sinking my teeth into. And, you know, that's a great smoke. Um, I've had one. Uh, they had them at a little shop I went to. And when I'm visiting a shop, I'm always going to buy something just a little higher price point than what I usually do. You want them to remember you. I, I do. <laughs> I want, again, again, it's the I'm, I'm playing the stereotype, I guess. And all. But, you know, so much of life, we've discussed it before, is fake it till you make it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to fake like I'm a rich guy till I actually am one. That's my game plan for life. But the other, one of the other things I did want to touch, if you do acquire a feral flying pig, it has a pigtail on the end. And the way you cut this cigar, there is a very proper way to cut this cigar. You want to take your straight cutter and you want to get just under that pigtail. I've actually seen people just flip the pigtail off with their mm-hmm. fingernail and start smoking now, I can't handle that degree of uncertainty in a $20 cigar. I've got to have precise instruments. Right. You know, if I could get a laser-guided Calibri, I would use it on this cigar. <laughs> but From the special ops collection? <laughs> yes. I w- I, but just flip the pigtail off. That's all. The wrapper stays completely intact. I mean, you can't even tell that cigar is being cut, but the draw is perfect. Now, what, what's the first impression of the Lost City? I'm, I'm already in love with this cigar. There's so much going on. The draw is perfect, as you would expect. And, I mean, I just barely got it lit, but there's already just a lot of flavor going on. I can't exactly taste any particular notes. Not that we really go down that road on this show very much anyway, but it's everything I wanted in this cigar for sure. So let's talk about cigar gifting for just a minute, because it, this come totally up in my mind while you were talking about someone gave you that cigar. Mm-hmm. If you're gifting a cigar to a friend, say you've had a friend that has done you a real service, and you know they're a cigar guy, and you're going to gift them a cigar, is it better to, say, A, buy a box of Charter Oak? You know, say, you, say your budget's going to be that, say it's a great favor, say $100, $150 your budget. Yeah. Do you think it's better to buy like the box of Charter Oak or a really good, less expensive cigar and give them quantity? Or do you think it's better to buy like two or three feral pigs or maybe mix a feral pig and an opus together and maybe only give them four cigars, but all four of these cigars are ones they would never buy themselves? Yeah, see, I, I think you go quality over quantity. And the reason for that is I can buy all the Charter Oaks I want. I'm not going to buy this cigar. I'm not going to spend this kind of money on the cigar, and I would rather have this one cigar than four Charter Oaks. If it's, 
if if I'm giving a gift, that's what I'm thinking of. And as a recipient of a gift, I like I like the idea that this is something that I probably wouldn't ever have otherwise. Well, and it's also a little easier to enjoy it when it's not your dime. Mm-hmm. When somebody just gave that to you, you don't have to think, okay, uh, I've got to work three hours to pay for that cigar, or I've got to do this much of a project to pay for that cigar, you know, stuff like that when it's really just the true gift. I'm, I'm kind of like you. I think go expensive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if you only give one, really, you know, a Padron, that the what is the $64 the, Padron? The 26 number one. Yeah. See, when we went to Burns and Chattanooga last two Valentine's Days ago, I had one of those there. And, I'll, and I enjoyed it, and it was a wonderful cigar. But you are in the back of my mind thinking, man, I did pony up 60-something dollars for this stick. That's why you let your wife cash out. That's true. You could just let her. Yeah, that way you don't have to think about it. His Valentine's Day, consider it a gift. Yeah, but now she she thinks I smoked a $23 cigar that night. <laughs> you got to be careful of the fourth it's wall. It's true. It's true. <laughs> no, she knows, I, she knows I played for it. She didn't right. care. My wife's wonderful. At all, I shouldn't put forth that kind of information. But moving forward, as we enjoy the good life tonight, and also quick in review this week, Super Bowl. I watched maybe a minute of it. You know, I watched a couple of minutes of the first half. I was here at the shop, and we had pizza, and we had deer jerky, and we had brownies and everything else, and we were socializing. And it was kind of, it was interesting because it's kind of like the game was just playing in the background. Mm-hmm. Nobody here, you know, in Tennessee, nobody really cared whether the Patriots or Eagles won. Right. And uh, there was basically this Super Bowl had three class of fans, Patriots fan, Eagles fans, and want Patriots to lose fans. Well, you, I, I ran into quite a few people that didn't want anybody to win. Like, because the, I mean, let's face it, Philly's not the nicest city in the country, and that's putting it mildly. And, you know, so I, I kept seeing all these videos come out the week leading up to it, you know, about how bad their fans are and all this stuff. And so I know a lot of people that kind of have a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth for Philly as well. Maybe not to the same extent that they do for the Patriots. But I know plenty of people, even SNL had a great sketch about it. Like, is there any way both of them can lose? <laughs> yeah. Can, can a giant meteor? Yeah. <laughs> I always bet on the meteor. Yeah. Oh, well, the prop bets in Vegas. Mm-hmm. You can, and they said Vegas took a wash on it. But just so everybody knows, this was the lowest rated Super Bowl in seven years. Yeah. But it makes sense why Vegas would have, because anytime you've got the Patriots in the Super Bowl, pe- people bet heavy against them. Okay. Hold on. i got to pull the show over. Is there something in this cigar shop that has fangs and is woolly? Look behind you. Rob is sitting outside smoking a cigar. (laughs) He's got to drink that beer quick enough that it don't freeze over. It is 30 degrees outside with a wind chill down around 25. Yeah, it's not just 30 degrees outside. It is bone-jarring cold. Because it's been raining all day, too, so it's just got that. And he's not even wearing a coat. Yeah, he, and he, he doesn't have a lot of hair. And also, it's not like he... I mean, he's, he's a, a larger gentleman, so he does have a little insulation, but still. Yeah. I mean, not even a coat sitting outside in this weather. This may be the last cigar cast, because whatever ran him out of there may attack us. <laughs> <coughs> 
Maybe it'll be a vampire only susceptible to the smoke of feral pigs. Maybe so. If, it's, if so, I'll defend us. Okay, sounds good. Down to the last. But sorry, I had to pull the show over. Yeah. That, that's an odd thing to see. Yeah. And also, let's talk a little bit about this whole tobacco legislation thing. Okay, we haven't talked about that in a little bit. No, so the government shutdown is on everybody's mind. And all, because they shut it down for a couple hours and then they came to a temporary gap. Well, the spending bill could actually have the premium cigar exemption language put in it. Mm. And all, that's the, we've already passed the House of Representatives with that language and everything. So there is an outside shot. Now, all the experts say, no, that probably ain't going to happen in this bill. It's probably another year or so of debating before that actually occurs. Yeah. Though it would be nice. But this is something I want people to understand. Big tobacco is against the cigar industry. Well, yeah, I think, and I've, I've been saying for years, you know, when people talk about tobacco, um, I don't think you can consider cigarettes tobacco at this point anymore. They're more other stuff than they are tobacco. Yeah, they, they really are. And big tobacco, you know... I don't like to paint anything as totally evil or totally good. or I don't believe there's absolutes in this world. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big absolute person. But big tobacco, eh, they're, they're definitely the empire. Well, heck, doesn't Philip Morris have some affiliation with the truth campaign? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's, part, I'm sure it's some elaborate deal where they're funneling money yeah. through that to... Name yeah. one other industry where the people who make the product beg you not to buy it. Yeah, well, I guarantee you it's, okay, we'll make a couple million buck donation to the Truth Campaign so that our people can get elected. Yeah. Because they're coming out for the truth. Mm-hmm. And all, and then our people can say, yes, we made the tobacco industry, you know, we made them pony up for advertising. Yeah. And all, it's all an elaborate House of it's Cards. It's a shell game, yeah. Oh, yeah. And all, but Big Tobacco does not want premium cigars exempted because there's a $66 million user fee that gets paid by the tobacco industry. If cigars get exempted, they don't have to pay their piece of that. So that's a big piece that all of a sudden Winston, Philip Morris, whoever else has got to suck down. Yeah. So there is that portion, but it... It is interesting. I, when I was 18, 20, I would see people my age smoking. I can't tell you the last 19-year-old I've seen actually having a cigarette. I see it more often than I expect to. Uh, maybe not 19-year-olds, but people my age and a little younger, I see smoking quite a bit, and it blows my mind. Well, you know, premium cigars... You don't see young people smoking them primarily because of the the cost. It's cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. They've got minimum, you know, this feral pig represents half a day's labor at McDonald's. Right. Most people are not going to make that kind of investment at 17 years old. True. So there's a there's a difference in that. But I do, it kind of surprised me when I started digging through this because I wanted to get us a legislative update. I will say it took me by surprise that Big Tobacco is actually against the premium cigar exemption. Well, because, and I think it makes sense because they don't have a finger in the game. I mean, with the exception of Swisher's ownership in Drew Estate, you really don't have anybody playing both sides of that fence. So the smoking age thing, 
so here's the problem with, you know, so many states are trying to raise a smoking age from 18 to 21. Which I'm okay with. I would be okay with it, but it's gateway legislation. And, and I'll give you that. That's the, the method they're taking to get to that logic is flawed. Now, I don't have any problem with raising the, the smoking age to 21 because it doesn't affect me. I can see if you were, you know, if I would, I would hope that they would do it with some type of grandfathering where the people that were already 18, 19 could continue to smoke if they so chose. Uh, but, yeah, it seems... Well, it's just, they say, okay, well, we'll get this passed, and then, okay, now we have established that smoking is bad. So now we can use that as a platform of which to raise taxes and to put sin taxes and privilege taxes and all these other tax structures on the tobacco. And all. and so that's my problem with it, because originally when we talked about it, I was like, hey, it don't affect me, and really... It's not going to affect premium cigars, but it will because it's gateway legislation. Right. Yeah. They're going to use, well, look, we're, you know, barriers to entry. You know, we're all about setting up barriers to entry. And then why not just, you know, and then it continues. If they get this win, then what they're trying to accomplish for the cigar industry as a whole becomes that much closer to fruition because they've got one more win. Yeah. It's just, a, it's, a, it's like we talk about. It's a shell game. Yeah. And all politics is the most frustrating, complicated, only way to govern. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, democracy is awful. The only thing worse is everything else. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's just the way it works. Yeah. But on to happier news. So, new cigar fixing to come out that I am very excited about. Romeo San Andreas. Ooh, that sounds good. Yes. It's is it gonna, the same? Is it the Romeo blend? Is it along the lines of what they did with the 505 Nicaragua? It is. Set to, set to arrive in March to retailers. It's a Nicaraguan binder and a combination of Nicaraguan and Dominican fillers and a San Andreas wrapper. I do love a San Andreas wrapper. Now, they could, di- they could ditch the Dominican out of that recipe and wouldn't hurt my feelings, but Dominican can be, can be beautiful. But if you take out Dominican and input Ecuadorian, you're probably going to be more to my palate. Yeah. Although that being said, we're both sitting here with Dominican cigars for our follow-up after the episode tonight. That so. is true. <laughs> we, did, we did already choose the DNA for the post-show smoke tonight. Exactly. But so the, and the, the pricing on this is great. Romeo and Giulio, Juliet, same and Andreas Toro, 6 by 54 9 bucks and 55 cents. Six and an eighth by fifty-two, nine dollars and seventy cents. Five and a half by sixty-nine eighty-five, under ten bucks. It's going to be right around the same price as the five hundred five Nicaragua. Yeah, and I'm pretty excited about that. I think that's going to be a smoke when it comes out in March. It may, it may involve me taking a Monday off and going somewhere where I can enjoy one. Make sure you invite me. I, I, ahead I, of time. I, I invited you last time. On, like two hours before you got there. That doesn't count. Um, I have some good cigar news that I saw on Instagram today as well. Um, This was a post from Nate McIntyre that we had on the show recently. If I can get my phone to pull it up. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, La Aurora receives legal rights for Cigar World concept. Uh, So, the La Aurora Cigar World, an educational program started by La Aurora, has received full intellectual property rights for its concept. Uh, so this is patents on the training kits, copyright for the Cigar Institute and showroom. Uh, it's going to be located in the Dominican Republic at La Aurora headquarters. 
Um, it was started two years ago as kind of the educational center for tobacco. Um, and so it's got two parts to it. It's the Cigar Institute and the Factory Tour. So it's going to be, um, the Institute's going to offer a series of like courses and seminars and that sort of thing. And then the Factory Tour, of course, is going to be based on the La Aurora Factory, giving a first-hand look at, you know, just a factory tour, just in general. But um, the, the faculty is going to be made up of cigar industry veterans um, like Guillermo Leon, uh, Benji Menendez, uh, Daniel Nunez, you know, for, uh, both of them were with General for a while. So these are some real heavy hitters in the in the cigar industry that are teaching classes on, on cigars. I just think that's really cool um, that they're going to be um, able to do something like this. And it's going to be open to the public, uh, tourists, consumers, retailers. Basically, anyone interested in the world of Dominican cigars is going to be able to attend, and I think that's really, really cool. You know, one of the most interesting things about the cigar culture, this cigar hobby, there's really no other hobby that the people are so passionate about learning during the process. Except maybe Star Trek fans. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) I mean, I'd venture to say we're more fun to be around, but yeah, we're going like, to get a lot of hate mail for that. I'd like to think we're a lot more relaxed than Star that was Trek Shane or Star at Wars. That That's right. You email all of your hate mail from your mama's basement <laughs> if you can get off of your MMO long enough to me. It's Shane at the Cigar Cast. Go for it, because I don't care. I'm going to be here smoking a good cigar. <laughs> but it is interesting how universal it seems to be that cigar guys like to know about it. How many times have we been having a conversation and somebody sat down and all of a sudden it turns into a dissertation on a particular type of cigar and process and everything like that? Oh, absolutely. I had the opportunity to sit down with some people. um, Oh, I actually had a wonderful uh, cigar experience about a week and a half ago. Um, I was at a birthday party for one of our listeners. And... Just happened happened to be mutual friend. I said I wasn't like invited what, as a guest speaker. Animals? Yeah, no, <laughs> it wasn't like a speaking engagement. It was just um, a, a friend of a friend who is a, a big fan of the show, and and we got to hang out and smoke cigars with a few of the people that were in attendance there that night. It was a really fun experience, but got to really nerd out, you know, talking about Fuma and Corda and Braganca, and really just kind of get into some of the nuts and bolts. Uh, we were smoking mostly CAOs, the MX2 and the Brasilia, and so it was kind of getting into what makes those cigars unique. And really, um, but yeah, you get someone talking, and it, it can very easily become really high level, um, kind of intellectual stuff, and really nuts and bolts. If if the person is is the kind of person like you and I who can really nerd out on this stuff. Now, when you go as Cohiba the Clown. And your balloon animal pops. Is it full of smoke? Because that would be very cool. <laughs> I really think that that's... No, I just make the Eiffel Tower out of cedar spills. <laughs> oh, okay. And then light your cigars yeah, that, off of it. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't let that go by. Yeah, I didn't think you could. I, I wouldn't sleep well tonight if I had let that slide by. Cohiba so, the Clown is actually a pretty good name. I like that. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, we work with what we got. 
But I, I, I almost went smoky, but I think that was too easy. That that fruit's hanging too low. You know me. I'm always going to reach up just a little bit. But then you drop ash on the bear costume, and you get all these burn holes in it. It just doesn't work as well. So here's the other question, and this is what's interesting to me, doubling back to legislation because I forgot to hit this part. With so many places like Alaska wanting to ban smoking inside, is that going to rise more cigar lounges where more people can go? Because people that normally would go to a bar and like to have a few cigarettes, now they can't go to a bar and have a cigarette. Are they going to start coming to lounges and trying cigars? Well, in a lot of cases like that, the cigar shops are equally included in that ban unless there's a specific grandfather clause involved. Like I think of Savannah, Georgia being a perfect example. Uh, Savannah's got a couple of really good cigar shops, but you can't smoke inside them. That makes no sense whatsoever. Well, they were part of, I mean, there's a complete indoor smoking ban in that city, and that included the cigar shops. So they have to, what, set up patios with big heaters and things like that? and try most, to... most of the ones that I've been to, which is all of them, um, don't even have that. They're just walk in, walk out. Well, I'm going to say, if you're in Alaska and they have a yeah, smoking, an indoor smoking ban, do you just quit smoking at that point? I think that's probably what they're going for, honestly. Uh, I think you have to. I think in Alaska, you just, you know, you get to smoke, what, three cigars a year? Yeah. Actually, I've been to Alaska. It's beautiful. And during the summer, you know, you but can sit on your front porch at 10 o'clock and smoke a cigar because it's still daylight. But that's also, you know, three weeks of the year. Yeah. there You hope summer hits on a weekend. Right, exactly. There's, really, there's not a big sea-do business. You're not going to open a big jet ski dealership in Nome, Alaska and do very well. But we're going to step away from a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Valentine's Day. And, you know, we need a little production here. Every time I say Valentine's Day, I kind of hear March of the Empire from Star Wars. Because it's kind of the evil holiday. There's really, it's really hard to win You're Valentine's Day. You're not one Day. of those guys, are you? I'm, You're not anti-Valentine's Day. I, Come on. I lead the anti-Valentine's Day rally every year. Are you one of those guys? Well, I'm such a perfect husband all, all year long that I don't have to make a special effort on this one particular day just because it's socially acceptable is that is that your stance no i've got different opinion on it but before we open that can of worms let's take a break and let everybody hear about the cigar under eight dollars all right we'll be back with that more after this shane here with the cigar cast and we're going to talk about cigar under eight dollars tonight's cigar under eight dollars is la roma de cuba el jefe so La Roma de Cuba was originally an Ashton product, but it's been taken over and it's now made in the Don Pepin factory. I don't think I realized that. Yeah, until I was researching it, I didn't realize that. I thought it was still an Ashton product. And uh, seven inches, 58 ring gauge. This is a big cigar. The wrapper is a Connecticut broadleaf. The binder is Nicaraguan. The filler is Nicaraguan. I've smoked one on the show. They're about $7.75 to $9, depending on your local shop. But great cigar and a long smoke. This is an hour-plus smoke for me. So this is definitely going to fall in that um, half-a-football-game smoke for me. Yeah, and it's La Roma de Cuba is one of the first companies that I found as I started really getting into the hobby of being 
just a little bit more flavor than kind of what you're going to start off with. You know, most people start on kind of a light Connecticut. This is going to take that up just a notch. It's not strong enough that it's going to hurt you, but it's definitely going to up that flavor profile and kind of show you what there is to offer. Yeah, this is a step-up cigar. So try it. Find it in your local shop. They're easy to find. They're readily available. The El Jefe is the bigger size. They also have the Mia More. They have some smaller sizes, but to me, the El Jefe blend, we talk about the size a cigar should be. El Jefe is the size this cigar should be. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting across the table from Trey Dedman. Welcome back, everybody. Trey's appearance made possible by a donation from the Save the Polka Foundation. <laughs> Walla Walla, Washington. And the city's so nice, they named it twice. Yeah. When you, when you go to the Save the Polka banquet and you're the keynote speaker and all, and do you discuss accordion music or do you, are y'all trying to get away from that and go more oompod? Is there oompod protesters outside? How does that all work? It's a 50-50 split. Okay, well, I'm just curious. I, you're such an aficionado of terrible nursery rhyme music. Nursery rhyme music? <laughs> yes, nursery rhyme music. Polka is nursery rhyme music to me. So you've got to be careful because we're talking about including some jingles and some production elements into the show, and I'm the one who plays instruments. So there may be some, some polka-heavy or some, some accordion and banjo-heavy production elements coming to the cigar cast, now that I know how much you hate it. Accordion and banjo. I thought you said you played instruments. <laughs> Not aberrations. But anyway, back to cigars. Back to what we're here to talk about this week. When has that ever stopped us before? <laughs> That's true. We, we do tend to chase a rabbit ever so... Oh, speaking of chasing a rabbit... Did got, you I'm, get pulled over again? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. And uh, I do. I did waste four hours of my life at driving school Saturday. And I, I have. Oh, to, you wasted a Saturday on it too. Oh yeah, and I have to share this with the listeners. There was a young seventeen, eighteen year old kid in there. Obviously, his first ticket. Obviously, helicopter parents. Obviously, everything that is wrong in the millennial generation was embodied in this man bun setting down the road from me. So I, I thought was, you were taking it online. Oh, you can't take it online. No, that's not penalative, penalative enough. You have oh, to... Okay. Punitive. Punitive, punitive yeah, enough. Okay. It's not miserable enough. The misery index is too low when you just take it online. They have to chain you to a desk for four hours with somebody who's way too happy to be doing that job up front. And a video from 1974. No, actually, this is all new videos. That one, I will, I will give the state of Tennessee credit. One of the smart things they've done is they farmed that out. It's no longer the trooper that drew the short straw that day doing the class. They farmed it out, and these are professional classes that do it. Hmm. It's still a waste of time. I still, she she um, collected fifty dollars from everybody, and I offered her another fifty if she'd just sign and let me leave early, which I thought was a good deal for her, but she didn't seem to think that was too funny. Uh. At the end of the class, this little kid's name was Max. Of course it was. Of course. And he kept chiming in, you know, oh, I never wear my seatbelt. Oh, I, what if I'm in a hurry? Oh, I gotta, I've got to check my text. I can't let that go by. And at the end of the thing, they had us fill out a little sheet and said, what is one thing you learned from this class today? And my response was, Max is a terrible driver <laughs> and his parents should be jailed. 
So somewhere that's on my record, but that's part of life. That's, I'm going to be interested to get to hear what happens when you get that phone call from the Tennessee Highway Patrol. <laughs> yeah. I well, don't think you took this course seriously enough. We're going to need you to redo it. Yeah, they're... <laughs> They're they're going to get told some things. I may have to take the eight-hour course after I'm done talking about that. But coming back to cigars. So Valentine's Day is coming up. And I'll, if first, before we get into the nuts and bolts of why Valentine's Day is the most horrible opportunity there ever was, if there is a lady out there listening and she wanted to pick up a Valentine's gift in the cigar realm, what does she get her man? What's something that everyone can walk into a shop, pick up, and with reasonable certainty know that it's going to be there and they can remember the name of it? I'm actually going to go a step further. I'm going to say that that's not the avenue to walk down. I'm going to say take your gentleman to the cigar shop for an evening. Because I would imagine... Uh, that most guys who smoke cigars probably don't do so when their girlfriend or wife or whatever is around. It's probably something they do independently, whether it's because the woman doesn't like it or maybe it's because um, it's just something that they kind of keep separate. But I'd say just kind of be involved in the hobby for a night. Here, you know, cigars on me, whatever you want. But go and just experience it with him. But commit. Yeah. You know, okay, I hate going to a romantic comedy movie. But if I go, I'm going to go. I'm not going to sit there and grumble about it all night. I'm not going to say this would never happen to anybody. Um, This guy is obviously gay. None of these things are going to come out of my mouth during the movie. And I'm going to totally invest in it. And you're not going to take a nap either. Right. I'm not going to sleep through it. And all. I'm not going to try the popcorn trick. I'm not going to do any of those things. Well, that's a game day decision. <laughs> okay, well, we'll leave the popcorn trick as an option. Depending on the, the caliber of butter they have there, okay? We'll, we'll leave it up to that choice. <laughs> if you've never Googled the popcorn trick, go for it. <laughs> Take a break right now and Google that. But anyway, I bet you didn't think we'd talk about that tonight. Definitely did not. <laughs> but... If you're going to take your man to the cigar lounge, as per Trey's suggestion, which I think is a terrible idea, um, then commit to it. Follow through. Why is that such a terrible idea? Because it may be where he goes. It may be just his thing. It may be where he goes to actually get away from you. I don't don't buy that. Well, If if, if he's so desperate to get away from you, why is he with you in the first place? Because he doesn't have to donate every second of every minute of every fiber no, of his being is, to you. No, but this is more than that. This is showing an interest in his interests. But this would be not. like this is this is going to the you you get you get points for going to the romantic comedy because you're showing an interest in her interest. This is the same thing. For me, it, I would find it endearing. So here's something twenty years of marriage has taught me. You never get points. You always get point. Well, you saw I hesitated on even using that terminology because I wasn't really happy with it either. If you you take her to Bermuda, that's one point. 
if you take her to a romantic comedy. That's one point. You can never acquire. There's nothing Fill a you car can up ever. With gas. That's yeah. one point. There's never anything you can do good enough to exceed the one point margin. I think that is such a cynical outlook. It's true. This is something life has taught me, and cumulatively, then there's method to my madness here. Instead of doing the grand gesture, because you know how men are wired. We're wired. If we do the grand gesture and we think that's worth five points, we can afford to lose three fairly quick. But if you think of everything as one point and try to accumulate one-point setups throughout the week, hey, I can catch a point here, I can catch a point here, I can catch a point here, then you will have a more successful relationship. So what is so? What cigar or what gift would you suggest then? I'm glad you asked. I figured you would be. You now, let me say, let me stop before I make my recommendation and say, my wife is a unicorn. My wife is rare. Rarely am I here in the cigar shop about my wife. Usually only when we're here recording the podcast, and some nights she comes for that. She plays poker with us. She smokes cigars. My wife is a unicorn, mm-hmm. and I think we have to establish that first and foremost. But a nice high-end cutter or lighter that he wouldn't buy for himself. Something ST DuPont, something Calibri, something that you normally would not purchase for yourself. You're talking about someone, though, in that case, who's been married for over a decade. I mean, that's not something a a girlfriend's going to buy for a boyfriend. That's not so. You're, 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 you're fighting out of your own corner. I'll give you that. Uh, But I don't think that that's something that I don't think that's a good general rule. Okay. Well, if you're just a girlfriend and you know the cigar shop he goes to, the bartender probably knows what he smokes. That's true. You know, most guys in here, I could walk up to Allie and say, hey, Allie, um, you know, John did me a real favor and saved me some cash. What's his favorite cigar? And she'd probably walk in there and say, oh, he buys these all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'd grab a handful of them, take them to him. And also, if you really must, you can go in there and ask the bartender, and the bartender can probably tell you what his favorite cigar is. If you want to go that road. That's always easy. Or you may know what his favorite cigar is. You may see boxes of them laying around or something. Yeah. So there's always that to be took care of. So, moving forward. So, I get the vibe that you love Valentine's Day. No, I am neither for it nor against it. I, uh, I'm, I, I don't see anything, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's, I mean, yeah, it's impossible to get a table at a restaurant, but I just use it as an example to cook something nice at home. Like, but I think, I think it's just like Christmas. There's no reason that I have to wait until December 25th to give my father a nice present. But I do. And there's a certain expectation. And it just creates this pomp and circumstance that, yeah, no, no, I will give you that it probably never lives up to anyone's expectations. I'll give you that. But I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with Valentine's Day. So often, Valentine's Day becomes a monument to wasted effort. You end up getting chocolate that she really don't want to eat. Or you end up getting flowers that are just going to die or something like that. So, to, which, to which I would say, know your audience. Well, I'm going to give every guy out there the best Valentine's Day gift you can get. Couples massage. Because uh, then there's something in it for you as well. Yeah, but that's kind of iffy. Okay. You know, that, 
that can go awry. It depends on if you're the kind of person that likes to be touched or not. Yeah, fair enough. You know, there's some people out there that are just not touchy people. Myself being one of them. The expensive candle. Yeah. Bath and Body Works snag the $10 three wicker. You can catch them on sale. <coughs> About Christmas time, you can catch them on sale where they're like three for 12 Something like that. And my wife is wonderful at this. I'm giving away her secret because when they're three for 12, she'll buy like 15 of them and then give them to other ladies as gifts all through the year. And and the expensive candle gets a lot of mileage because it's something she can light. It's something she can see. She can think about it. A lot of mileage out of the expensive candle. Hard to go wrong. Assuming some people aren't candle people, though. Like, I know plenty of people that just candles don't really do much for them. Uh, Just by and large, if you're playing the numbers, the expensive candle. And if you're going to play the numbers, that's what I would go for. All right. I'll let you have it. And what are you getting your girlfriend? Well, she listens to the show. I can't say it. This will go out before Valentine's Day. Can you tell her it's going to be great? Well, yeah, but I I think that's a foregone conclusion. (laughs) I'm going to catch hell for that one. So, the you know last week I'm moving on now because because Thank you're, you. you're not going to divulge your secrets here. I have divulged the secrets to a happy marriage to all of our listeners, and you're keeping yours nice and tight. Again, you've been married for two decades, or going just it'll be twenty years this year, right? Be twenty years this year. Yeah. So I've we've been dating seven months. There's a there's a there's a big disconnect between our frames of reference here. Well, there's also a disconnect in our age groups. Yeah, albeit slightly. Yeah, and I'll, and two decades does not sound as good as 20 years to me. Ain't it funny how words work? I like two, two decades feels longer than 20 years to me. See, I, I'm right the opposite. 20 years feels longer to me than two decades. Hmm. And I'll, maybe it's strictly numerical. You've been married a score. How about that? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I got married two score. But anyway. <laughs> so the um the other thing. Let's talk cigar shop etiquette for a minute. I have to pull the show over and talk about etiquette. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because as it applies to this cigar in particular, I had when I was given this cigar, I was I think we've actually talked about this on the show before. Which is, you know, when someone gives you a cigar, the etiquette is to smoke it right then. Um, and so I actually looked him square in the eye and I was like, look, I know this is rude, but I'm not going to smoke this right now. Because I had just finished my second cigar of the day and I knew I wasn't going to enjoy it. Well, I mean, that's the great thing about doing a podcast on cigars. Yeah. Is you can always say, hey, I, this is such a great, I want to save this for the pod. <laughs> let me smoke this on the podcast and let me mention how much it meant to me that you mm-hmm. got this for me on the podcast. So you can play that off. That's the, that's the beauty. Part of our evil genius of starting a cigar podcast was in that vein. So, cigar store etiquette. When it comes to telling jokes... If someone begins telling a joke and you know the punchline, do you ride the joke out? You got three choices. You can ride the joke out and act like you never heard it before, laugh at the end of it. You can jump in with the punchline and blurt it out and ruin it for everyone around you. Or at the end of it, you can give it the 
obligatory chuckle and say, yeah, I've heard that one before. What is the proper road for this cigar aficionado? I think it depends on the size of the crowd. I think if it's just you and one other person, if it's one that you know, then I think it's perfectly acceptable to let them know that you know the joke. Now, if there are others in company, that's not appropriate because you don't want to ruin the experience for someone else. I never, even if I've heard the joke even a million times, even if I actually told the joke to somebody six months earlier and they're now telling it back to me, I'm never going to indicate that I ever heard that joke before. I actually had something funny happen last night uh, along exactly these lines. I was telling Noelle a joke, the one that you told me last week, actually, and get about halfway through the joke. And I, I had even prefaced it by, have you heard my tiger joke? And no, don't know what, to, you know. And so I get about halfway through the joke and she just erupts in laughter. And it was because she figured out the punchline. <laughs> yeah, see, so the life is so much about your mental posture. Mm-hmm. What is your posture mentally? And this is something, you know, we touched on this of happiness but it comes back to what is your posture mentally? My mental posture is always going to involve being interested, not being interesting. I always want to be interested in what you're saying. I don't want to go out of my way to be the most interesting man in the room. And, I'll, and more often than not, it comes out that you are the same, you do seem to be the more interesting person because you are investing in the other people. So my mental posture is always going to be, okay, they're telling the 12-inch pianist joke, but I want to hear how they tell it. I want to see if they tell it a little differently than I do, or what twists they put on it, or that's kind of a master-level joke. Let's see if they make it to the end of it properly. Yeah, well, and that's, it's also, you know, you've got a whole, you know, talking about jokes encompasses a whole range of, you know, you've got one-liners, you've got some of the, like, riddle-type jokes, and then you've got like your 12-inch pianist or my Jacques the French fighter pilot joke, which requires an awful lot of setup, an awful lot of work, and it's, it's a complex and complicated joke. So it, it really depends on, on that. If it's something that requires a little bit of gravitas to be able to pull off, I definitely want to hear that one all the way through because there's so many times that the, the, either the punchline or the setup is slightly different from the way I was told. So it... Yeah. And there are some people that can tell a joke and some people that can't. Well, and there's some people that when they... And know your skill level. Take a little time and really know what your joke-telling skill level is. Because your skill level... Your jokes need to reflect that. Because how many times have we seen someone try to tell a joke that's above their head and rush through it? And then they go, oh, oh, but I forgot to tell you, he only has one arm. Okay, so, and then he goes to the bishop, and and the bishop's blind. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, so then he goes to the blind, yeah, and you lose it. Yeah, know your skill level before you begin the joke. If your skill level is one-shot shaky, there's nothing wrong with that. If the one-liner is your sweet spot, don't try to push beyond that. Right. Well, that's like one of my favorite jokes is Jacques, the French fighter pilot. And it took me probably half a dozen times. There I go using dozen again. Uh, it probably took me six or eight times telling that joke before I could get through it without laughing. Yeah, it takes a lot of, um, it takes a skill level. There's a skill level that you have to be self-aware 
okay, I'm capable of pulling off the figure eight pretzel hold joke. I'm capable of pulling that off in such a way as for it to be entertaining to the people around me. And uh, there's a lot of jokes. Jokes that involve a lot of body language are not in my... They're not in my wheelhouse. I'm not a good body language joke teller. They are for me. I mean, I, that's, uh, that's an area where I really do excel. But inevitably, as we've spoken of before, when one joke gets told in the cigar shop... You've kind of opened Pandora's box. You really have. It's a dangerous proposition to start telling jokes in a cigar shop because everyone has one, or 12, or 14, or 80. And so I will say, from an etiquette standpoint, when you t- don't be the joke machine. If, if you tell a joke, give the other people around you to go through their litany of, you know, let, let this guy tell one and that guy tell You know, let it be kind of in the round don't just dominate, don't dominate any conversation, but especially when it comes to jokes, because you can burn people out pretty quickly. You can, and, and people start trying to vary the topic. And don't, you know, again, we're talking about mental posture. Mm. What your posture is going to be. We have a young man that comes to the cigar shop that doesn't really understand how conversation works. Mm-hmm. And he kind of always steps in. And then we have an older guy that comes into the cigar shop that we call the ear rapist because he corners you and just absolutely batters you to death. Mm -hmm. Don't be those guys. Think about what your mental posture is going to be when you walk into these scenarios. Well, it, like so many things in life, it goes back to sales training for me. And, you know, you're, and like you were mentioning, be interested, not interesting, you know, in, in sales or in dating or in just getting to know someone for, in general, I always find it's a better uh, methodology to ask more questions than you answer. You know, it, if you're going to, if you're striving to keep a conversation alive, maybe you don't want, rather than talk about yourself or something that you're interested in, ask more questions. And I know this is something that you agree with. You know, ask questions, get to know the other person, and then like, likely they'll respond in kind, and then that's what makes for a good conversation. Well, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth. Basic design is teaching you something there, <laughs> you know. Now, going from the unimportant, the joke, all the way to most important thing most men face, which is mortality and religion. And also, Boy, you took a left turn at the traffic lights just then. Watch this. This, this is how a wordsmith operates. <laughs> you, did you bring one? <laughs> yeah, he's going to be our guest oh, okay. on the next Cigar Cast. <laughs> <laughs> so it was two, three weeks ago that you came in and said, Hey, so-and-so, I won't mention his name, he was actually, he talked to me and he was nice to me and he engaged me. And he's always been such an incredible jerk and... I, I can't believe it. And I said, yeah, he's, he's found Jesus and all, and that's changed his life. And he's, I know the guy that led him there. I know the guy that has provided the information for him. And a lot of that was done over a cigar. But a lot of that was done because talking to that guy, his mental posture is so amazing in that, yes, I am a believer, but no, I'm not out to make you one. Yeah. I'm here to give you the information. I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you find out, you know, if you want to know about these things. But 
his mental posture is probably better than anybody sitting five foot from us right now. <laughs> but his mental posture is probably better than anybody I have ever known when it comes to that sort of thing. Hmm. Pretty amazing how, how that all affects life. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you smoke for the Super Bowl? I don't even remember. Um, oh, uh, Yellow Rose of Texas. So Austin had at the at the shop the Friday before the Super Bowl he had his big crown heads event and so it was I had you know I had a box of um, yellow roses that I bought at the event so I I broke one of those out just perfect for the occasion perfect amount of time yeah perfect perfect cigar for that scenario because my football cigar I don't want to be smoking my cigar at halftime I'm either going to, after halftime, leave because I'm not terribly invested in football, or I'll start another cigar. But I don't want to start with a cigar that's going to last me an entire football game. Right. And that becomes a little trickier <coughs> with the Super Bowl because this, the halves are so much longer because of all the commercial breaks. Well, and we have the traditional halftime poker game here. Right. We always stop and have a single game, winner take all one buy-in, high blind, and we try to actually get that poker game done during halftime, which is usually, it usually leaks over a little bit into the third quarter. I think last year we were dead on. Yeah, I think last year we wrapped it up right as halftime hit. Yeah. And I'll usually seven or eight players, and usually pretty good, and this year, Austin, the owner of the shop, actually won the halftime game and donated all the cigars to Cigars for Warriors. That's awesome. That's, that's a class move. That's how you know you're dealing with a quality individual. Mm-hmm. I, and I would say that about anybody. I, I mean, not just because I like Austin and all, and I feel like I've had a hand in raising him. <laughs> I, feel like, I felt like I raised him right at that moment. But that halftime poker game and him donating it at the end, to me, that's just that's as classy as it gets. And all, I probably wouldn't have been that classy. I'd have probably put them all in my locker and smoked them. Especially some of the caliber of cigars that were in there. Well, and that's the other thing. That halftime game, I always tell everybody, yeah, an $8 cigar will get you in. But why don't you pull out something? This is the Super Bowl. This is this is Christmas. Now, when I'm elected Supreme Ruler, the day after the Super Bowl will be treated like New Year's Day. It will always be a day off. Is that right? Well, it will increase productivity in this country to such a degree Nothing gets done the day after the Super Bowl. If it does, it gets done under protest. Let's go ahead and I'll uh, please join my campaign, Shane for Supreme Ruler, and I will make the day after the Super Bowl always a holiday. Well, they said I saw in the news this on Monday that it, like something like 12 million people were expected to call in quote sick that Monday. Yeah, I mean, just don't waste time with it. Just go ahead and say it. I told a whole bunch of my employees before I left work on Friday that you're not allowed to call in sick Monday, so either be prepared to work hungover or... (laughs) Or go ahead and take a vacation day. Yeah. Go ahead and book that. And, you know, there's a couple of days that are kind of on the border and all, and we're running out of time tonight, so I don't want to delve too deep into this. We'll keep that. But Good Friday... And the day after the Super Bowl are kind of those days that you probably, you know, I'm, I'm always going to take off Good Friday. Um, 20 some odd years ago, well, it's probably 30 years ago now, one of my uncles broke his back on Good Friday. And it was a great uncle. And we've always made it a fishing trip Good Friday ever since then. We're like, okay, none of us are ever working again on Good Friday. 
and we go fishing. Hmm. It, was an, it was an omen, huh? It was. It, it was. it was the powers that be telling us that we don't need to be working on Good Friday. So, covered a lot of ground tonight. Now, give me the review of the Opus X. It is so good. It, I don't think I'm enjoying it as much as I did my Christmas cigar, but I don't think that's the cigar's fault. In a $12, $15 cigar, what comes close to it? Oh, you're really putting me on the spot. Um, probably a Tatuaje Unicos. Probably in that same vein, flavor-wise. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal cigar, and, and I would say worth the price. I really think it, it is that good. In a $12, $15 cigar, what compares to the Flying Pig? It would have to be a Undercrown product because it still has some of that blend, but it would have to be an Undercrown product smoked on a beach in Mexico or something like that. I would have to have environmental aids in order to get approach this level of gotcha. enjoyment that I get from the Feral Pig. But let's wrap it up. Let's do it. So until next week, uh, we always love hearing from you guys. Reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at The Cigar Cast. You can always drop us a line via email, info at thecigarcast.com. And, of course, facebook.com slash thecigarcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a cigar and smoke. Think well of us. Mm-hmm.